Welcome to the Wealth Easy Podcast, your destination for insights on wealth, health, and real estate. I'm your host, John Durbano. I went from former financial advisor for a big bank to now educating people on how to plug your financial leaks and create your rich life without using the stock market. Before we dive in, please hit that subscribe button and share it with others. By subscribing, you're helping the show grow using the algorithm and allows us to get even more successful guests on the show. Now let's begin creating your rich life. Okay. Welcome back to the Wealth Easy Show where we talk all things wealth, health, and real estate. Today, my guest is an award-winning realtor being recognized as the top 30 under 30 in Canada. He's born in Afghanistan. He immigrated to Canada from Russia in 2010 and has been a top agent for both Remax and most recently EXP. He's developed an AI-driven marketing agency tailored for agents while building a massive team of realtors under him. Welcome to the podcast, my friend, Ray Amati. Ray, welcome. Thank you, John, for having me. Nice to see you. Nice to see you as well. So take a couple of minutes. Tell us what's what's going on in your world. Did I leave? I know I know your bio is very extensive. Give us give, <laughs> give us two minutes on on what's going on with you. Uh, things are great. Yes, my bio was extensive, and you've covered up a lot of things already. Yeah. And uh, now I can just get live up to it. So that was great. We are just uh, working on on. Really, so the state of the market, you, John, you may be aware of. Mm-hmm. We are 50 down in in terms of the transactions. Yeah, The rates are 7.2%. And a lot of people are just on the sidelines. And they're not buying. And people who own homes, they're forced sometimes to sell. So what we do right now within the team and the organization and the brokerage is to keep people engaged throughout the whole process throughout six months 12 months whatever the time frame may be is to keep them engaged and in the conversation so we're working on uh, being on top of our database building an ai chatbot that uh, talks like a human to keep them engaged mm, good talk, talk, working on potentially a new brokerage fantastic yes and um a lot of things happening with my uh, boys and, and daughter, kids, soccer. So that is a lot of fun. I know that, I know that takes a lot of your time. It does. It does. We're out about 14 times. No, not 14 times. 12 times a week to practices oh, wow. between the three. Wow. <laughs> so so that, that that is a lot of fun. Good stuff. So how you've been in real estate for several years now. What yep. made you get into real estate? Yeah, that's a good question. I came into real estate right out of school. And the reason I got in, there were a couple of reasons. Number one, we bought our first home with my parents back in early 2000s and uh, early 2010. And we noticed how much our agent, Daniel, and this is a story for a lot of agents that I ask, <laughs> how did you get into real estate? He's like, I bought the house and I noticed how much my real estate agent made. Yeah. He's like, I could make that too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so he bought the house for seven fifteen, and then we noticed on the closing date, he walked away for like he said, 17, 18,000 commission check. I'm like, holy moly, I can do that too. Yeah. How many more of those I can do? Yeah. So that one was one of the reasons. And then my, my dad was always in real estate, buying, investing, renting. So he's like, this sounds good. Mm-hmm. So I uh, graduated high school with 96 average, but didn't end up going to the university that I wanted to go. 
I got accepted into McMaster and uh, UFT full scholarship in York. I did go to York for about a couple of months. Mm -hmm. By the time I got my license, I already had one listing and one lease. But in my first month, I'm like, I'm not going to do university. I'm just going to start real estate. So the rest was history. You're probably making a lot more money now than you are <laughs> these, than these professors. <laughs> Potentially, yeah, yeah, it could be. You know, it's it's the, the story how I got into real estate is very similar. I I became a, a custom home builder back in two thousand and nine nine ten. Uh, a but buddy of mine approached me, one of my closest friends, and he he built a couple homes and he made a lot of money. And he said, "Hey, let's partner up. You know the math, and you're really good with." Uh, budgets and putting together, um, you know, all the all the trades. Let's let's do something together. I said sure. So we we put our money into a pool and we started buying up homes. And I started seeing all the money that my my other friend who was a realtor. Every time we bought a home, he got paid two and a half percent. Every time we sell a home, he got paid two and a half percent. I'm like, son of a bitch, I could do this. Right. And I'll never forget. I'm in the gym. And I'm, I'm doing my card. I'm on a bike. And I started reading a book by Manny Koshman. Um, he wrote a book called uh, The Contrarian Playbook. And if anyone doesn't know Manny Koshman, he's a big commercial real, est- uh, real estate guy out in California. The guy's got like $150 million car collection. It's ridiculous. <sighs> and uh, I remember reading in his first chapter, he says, if you want to become a successful real estate investor, go get licensed. Hmm. He said, I made 10 million off of my own deals last year. And I'll never forget, I, I went home and I literally jumped on the internet and I signed up for my course. And that's what got me into real estate. So it is, uh, it's, it's a nice paying job. And uh, I, I, I totally understand why you did it. Yes, absolutely. And plus, it gives you all the insights of the market. Yeah. Like you're in the market. You see yeah. some good deals you can pick up or suggest to your clients. Yeah. You, you literally feel uh, how the market moves with mm-hmm. the uh, number of showings, number of offers that are coming in, and uh, how many listings are selling, how many sit on the market. And, and that is a good thing to have. It's, it's definitely good knowledge, especially because, um, you know, you and I both, we, we buy and sell real estate, and I have my own uh, portfolio of, of real estate, and it's good to have that inside knowledge. And if you're going to purchase... Might as well get paid on it too. Exactly. What's been your biggest achievement thus far in the real estate industry? Biggest achievement? Uh, there are a lot of achievements, uh, both with Remax that have been six years. We've been um, awarded with Platinum Award, Chairman Award. And uh, when I was at that time top 30 and the 30 recognized in Canada for the entire Remax. Um, it was in my second year in real estate. And, wow. and, and not only was I was top 30 on the 30, I was the youngest in the list for top 30 on the 30 in the, in the country for REMAX, for being recognized. That's impressive. I was 21, and then there were 29 years old, 27 year olds. And I was looking at the list, and there was, I was the youngest. And um, that, that was a quite a good achievement. First, I didn't really understand what it means. Then I grasped it, like the whole Remax, the whole country of Canada, all the agents on the 30, and then the gross production that are being recognized, what they accomplished it. And it's really interesting. When I got into the business, I didn't know anything. And my mentor, 
which I, uh, I give a, a huge credit to. He's like, you got to talk to a lot of people. And I had a lot of energy and time. I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk to a lot of people. Every day I get on the phones, talk to people from 8 to 12, four hours. I talk to 30, 40 people, book appointments the entire year. And then in the afternoons, I'd go door knock. Mm. I'd go door knock. I would had a map of the city and I put all the homes that were off market or for sale by owners on the map and then connect them with the line. And then I had my road for the day. I'd go and door knock in the afternoons, leave my business card. And some people call. Guess how many listings I took the first year? First year doing that, I took 41 listings. Wow. And not, of course, all of them sold. Were these were these expired listings? Expired, terminated for sale by owners, just listed, just sold. A hundred percent of the people that I did not know. My peers were 20-year-old guys. So what was it about you and your approach that made them want to give you the list? I mean, obviously the previous realtor had it up for either, you know, could be 90 days or 120 days. It expired. What was it about your approach that made them give you that opportunity to relist it? Yeah, of course, I lost a lot of listing appointments. First, what comes to mind is numbers. In order to get 41 listings, I had to go three times number of listing appointments. So over 120 listings. That means that I was over two appointments every single week, sometimes three. And then in order to, to accomplish two, three appointments a week, I had to talk to 20, 30 people every day. So numbers game. Second, I believe that I got those listings signed because they liked my approach. I was full of enthusiasm, full of energy, and young. I'd ask them, Mr. Seller, do you want an old, no energy with a low back pain, old real estate agent? Or do you want a young one, full of energy? Then find a buyer who's going to pay the most money for your home. And they're like, well, that makes sense. We want a young one. So they would hire me. I remember there were listings over the long weekend, three-day long weekend, Canada Day. I was working. I signed up three listings over Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And then on Tuesday, I'd bring the office to paperwork with three listings. While others were off, I was working. And then how, that's how I built the real estate portfolio of listings at the first year. And that's just a real dedication to just grinding it out and, and um, achieving what it is you're set to do, because I know in, in just on Trev, there's over 73,000 agents. And of 73,000 agents in the GTA, 85% of them only do zero to five transactions. So what's your formula to be in that 15% that are doing almost most, most of the transactions out there? Absolutely. The principle of 80-20 applies in, in real estate, no exception, perhaps it's 85, 15, or 90, 10 even. 90% mm -hmm. uh, of the transaction being done by 10% of the real estate agents. And I believe the formula really comes down to uh, consistency and discipline. Mm -hmm. If one is consistently showing up to work and there to help the clients, then the clients see that this real estate agent is consistent in their approach. And many agents or many people in that say they lack discipline. And you perhaps could have um, attest to that. And if one can just show up and be present every single day to their work and be in front of people, 
people naturally gonna gravitate gravitate to them. Mm-hmm. I had Sahar Mahmood yes on last week, and right. she said something that was really it's it stood out with me. She said, "I wake up every day, starting at zero. Even if I closed five deals yesterday, I woke up the day." starting at zero and I had to grind out that day and I know there are realtors out there who they'll pick up that one or two really big sale and they'll take three months off that's you know you've got to keep that momentum going so you're right it's consistency showing up every day and starting the day from zero like you you need you need that money because it's not gonna those deals are not gonna always flow in all the time unless you're building that momentum and you're showing up yes Absolutely, and and Sarah is a great agent, and uh, she's absolutely right. Starting at zero, yeah. And me speaking to one of my other friends, Praveen, you may know him. He's number one agent in the whole Peel region for Remax. He does about three, four hundred transactions every single year, and we speak on a weekly basis on a masterminds. I'm like Praveen, what is driving driving you? Mm-hmm. And he is sharp at eight fifteen every single Saturday morning to our mastermind calls. I come late sometimes, but he's like, Ray, I'm on the call. I'm like, so what is the secret? He's like, I enjoy the journey. I enjoy the process. There's no place for me to get to or something to accomplish. I really enjoy what I do. And he works seven days a week. Yeah. 54, 55 years old, thin, strong, full of energy. I... I work, I work seven days a week. I'm up at five. I, I work till eight o'clock. And sometimes my wife has to come and pull me away from the office um, just to say, hey, listen, are you going to spend like one hour with me and watch, watch, right. watch our show or do something? It's because when you love what you do, yeah. you don't need to retire from work that you love to do. It's For me, I enjoy getting up at five and I enjoy putting in my time. Number one, like you said, you you ha- you got to show up. Yep. You have to show up, and you need to be hungry. You mm-hmm. got to put the time in, and if you continue to do that, the numbers are going to prove themselves. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And and nowadays, uh, John, is that what it has come down to the point after consistently after discipline and enjoying and loving what I do, is helping other agents get where I am. So newer agents or agents who are struggling a little bit and training them and coaching them. And y- you saw the real estate stats for last month. There were only 4,600 homes sold. Yeah. In Toronto, there's two sides to it, about 9,000 transactions. There is 73,000 agents. That means that over 85% of them didn't do any deals. Mm-hmm. And that is counting that it every evenly distributed. We know, that, we know that it's not evenly distributed. Many team members... Many top brokers do most of the deals. So a lot of agents are going broke because they're not getting they're not making the money. Yeah. And what I do now, and I this is my really passion that I find that inspires me, is helping my team members, agents in my brokerage, get them deals so that way they make money and they're happy, go home with their family members. And then they come back and enjoy working. Keeps them motivated. Yes. So, so helping other people is one of the driving forces right now for me. Good. So you left Remax, you went to EXP. What made you 
jump ship because Remax is a very big company. But what what was it about EXP that you saw something bigger? Hmm. Remax is internationally known brand in the world, and and I enjoyed working on Remax, especially the people there were awesome. Uh, what did not work is I recognized is that as I was in the business for more time, people did work with me because of who I am and not because of the brand or the balloon. True, yeah. And I would calculate every single year with my accountant. He was like, do you know how much you pay to the brokerage? I'm like, no. He's like, between the split office fees and association fees, Remax, paid over 42000 I'm like, what? He's like, yes. I'm like, we got to do something about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was really thinking, John, to go independent back in 2020 and open up my own brokerage. And then EXP came along. and They're a disruptor. They, they're, they're big disruptors. Publicly traded company. Publicly traded company. And it is on NASDAQ. It's over $4 billion, $5 billion, depending on the valuation uh, company. Surpassed Remax. Over 86,000 agents in the world. And what it came about is with the company that I didn't know about. But who exposed me to it, made a huge difference. Mm-hmm. At that time, I was in the Craig Proctor coaching. And my coach, Blake Corey, who was coaching me inside Craig Proctor coaching, he had a coach. His name is Mike Gerbeck. And Mike Gerbeck, and I thought, didn't know him, I thought of him as this god of real estate. He sold 2,100 homes in one year in his Wichita, Kansas state back when he was selling 2,100 in one year. That's unheard of. That's unheard of. And he reaches out to me one day on Facebook. He's like, what's going on? I'm like, Mike is coaching my coach and he's reaching out to me. So I was mind blown. I'm like, Mike, things are great, but we need help to grow. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, I can help you grow. I can show you what I did and charge you $2,000 a month. Or you can jump join us at TXP and partner up. And they'll do it for free. I'm like, what? Mm. That's a no-brainer. <laughs> show me where to sign. So then I jumped uh, on board. And and we Mike, me and Mike have been killing it. The uh, stock is coming in every time we sell homes. Every time agents come in. Then there is revenue share component. We have over 140 agents in our organization. And it's like multi-revenue channel. So it's been working well. You touched on coaching. Yes. I'm a big believer in coaching. I, I, My second episode, I interviewed my coach and my mentor in the insurance business. Talk to us a little bit about coaching, and do you recommend it for anybody that wants to get into the real estate business? 200%. Yes. Coaching is mandatory, a mentorship mandatory, to get through the challenges that you're going to face. The best way to climb the mountain is to ask someone who's already done it. True. Yeah. Many times you're going to save time, energy, and you're going to do what you want in, in less time. You can avoid a lot of mistakes. Exactly. So why would you do the mistakes that others have already done it? So mm-hmm. coaching is important. Professional athletes, how many coaches do they have? Oh. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, t when Tiger Woods was number one in the world, he never got rid of his coach when he became number one. He needed him even more to stay at number one. Exactly. Coaching, mentorship, having someone to guide you through the process is imminent to your success. And you're doing some, co you're, you're coaching and training new agents now that are under you. Yes. Yeah. We are training and coaching. We have first 100 days for the new agents. What does your 100 day look like when you get your license? Mm -hmm. That is very different than someone who is experienced in real estate. So we have the workflows, the checklists with specific training videos set up for new agents. They get into the business, they're set up. And it's automated because we built for them. As opposed to someone who's already been through that, but they need help with their nurturing or they're setting appointments or role-playing and training, then there is different checklists and workflows. When I, when I got into the real estate business, um, I, never, I never got in because I wanted to be a full-time realtor. I never, I never uh, said to myself, I'm gonna go door, go door knocking and, and look for listings. That wasn't my, my, my uh, thing to do. I got my real estate license because I was building custom homes. I was buying and selling custom homes, and I want to do it for an investment, not as a career. However, I still wanted to learn about real estate and getting leads and and getting listings because I have I have uh, you know twenty five years in financial management. I have a lot of clients, and when I got my mortgage license, I had a lot of clients reaching out and saying, "Hey, you manage my money. Can you get me a mortgage on this house?" Mm -hmm. Now they're calling me and saying, hey, John, can you sell my house? I'm going to buy another house and get me the mortgage on it, right? So I'm a big believer, like you say, you got to get a coach. And even though I wasn't even going to do it full time, I, uh, I went through Brian Buffini. Mm. And, and it was my mortgage brokerage yep. firm that even though my mortgage company is not in real estate, our broker highly recommended having... Uh, Buffini as uh, doing coaching simply because a lot of the work that real estate agents do, mortgage agents can still follow up. It's the same principles. So it worked really well on the mortgage side and on the real estate side. So I'm a really big advocate. I still have a coach today on my, uh, on my financial side. And I think it's just like you say, it's, it saves a lot of time and a lot of pitfalls trying to figure things out on your own. Absolutely. Yeah. And th that is awesome. Yeah. You do wealth management. You do real estate. And mortgages. <laughs> mortgages. <laughs> how, how do you balance everything? And I'm everything? a father. And, and I'm a husband. Father, <laughs> and a golfer. Husband, and a golfer. <laughs> and a coach. For softball, how do you do everything, John? It's time management. Time management. You got to divide time. <laughs> just, just like you, you've got the kids, you have the boys in soccer, and yeah. I know we bumped into each other a few times at yeah. the field. I'm coaching Little League Baseball. You're there to coach soccer. It's, it's all about time management. It is. Right? Yeah, and then I think even though how busy we are, when you're there, you need to be present, right? Because, you know, I always look at my, my little boy. He's not so little anymore. He's 12 years old, cool. and he's, he's as tall as me. And he's not so little anymore. However, he's going to remember these times, and there's going to come a time and not in the not-so-near future, you know, he's going he's gonna to be wanting to go out and hang out with his friends, and I'm not going to have that time anymore. And he's going to remember these times when, when daddy was here, he wasn't really here. He wasn't present with me. So when you are spending time with your family, it's, it's good. You got, you got to be present. Mm -hmm. 
the real estate is really changing. Yep. Where do you see trends of real estate going? Hmm, good question. Where do we see real estate trends going? I know you've jumped over into the pre-construction. I see, I see you showing up at a lot of pre-construction events now. Yep. Where you, you, you did a lot of resale, and now you've jumped on the pre-construction. Yes. Is that um, a future trend you see? It is a trend that um, has taken place already. And overall, it's just to slow down with the interest rates. And the trend that we are going into, it may be overtaking the resale market. So if we look at the statistics between resale transactions and new homes transaction, pre-construction, per month, it's two to one or three to one, three mm -hmm. times as much in resale than in pre-construction between low rise and high rise. Now, what it looks like we're going to get into and building out the greater Toronto area and throughout the whole country is we're becoming a vertical, vertical city and building high rises. And right now we have the most cranes in North America and a lot of high rise condo projects are being built. And of course, we're getting the people coming in absolute high numbers. Every every launch that we go to, they talk about immigration. So we won't talk about immigration right <laughs> now, John. You, we know the numbers. And um, being able to help the people to diversify between resale and pre-construction and invest their money where they can avoid paying high interest rates right now and still benefit from the appreciation, then that is the way to go. And I always tell my clients, houses... Average price is 1.5 million, 1.4 million. They are a luxury for most people. Whereas condos, five, 600,000 average, that's a necessity. That is what most people can afford. And you buy one. Especially today. Especially today at 7% high rates. That is a necessity. And instead of you buying and waiting at 1.5 million, buy a pre-construction, five, 600,000. Close when the rates are down. And some projects are giving interest on the deposit. Developers are giving a lot of incentives. Yes. And, and, and where do you see that is heading? Uh, developers, a lot of inventory on the market and incentives being through the roof. On the pre-construction side, are we going to keep it the same way or sales going to increase, decrease? What's your outlook on the market? Well, I think with the, the incentives that the, the developers are giving before it used to be, uh, you know, you, you got to get your 20% down in like 18 months. Yep. Now it's, oh, get 15% down in two years <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then 5% on occupancy. Yep. And occupancy could be four or five years. Yep. Now, you know, you just touched on Q Towers where mm -hmm. they're not going to be ready till 2030, occupancy is 2030. And they're going to give you 5% interest on your money? That's, that's unheard of with developers. I'm seeing developers now because there are so many developments going on. You touched on we have the most cranes going on in Toronto, in North America, than any other place. Mm -hmm. So every, every developer is, is competing for that dollar. And yes, you know, with the immigration... Are the people coming in, can they afford a condo or are they just going to be able to rent? That's a question I don't know. Yeah. Um, 
but I do like I do like where the developers are heading with the incentives. It's it's they're helping people to be able to get into that real estate market now. Yes. You know, like, you know, last week Sahar touched on it, you know, instead of having to come up with a hundred or 120,000, you know, immediately or in like a year, can you come up with 30,000 this year? And can you come up with 30,000 next year? Yeah, I can. Great. Let's get you into a unit. Right. Right. And by the time that unit is built nine out of 10 times, it's appreciated in value. Exactly. Yeah. And they, that is the way to go. In your journey in creating real estate, what has that taught you about wealth? Mm. What has that taught me about wealth is that watch out for taxes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anything you do, watch out for taxes in the first place. And uh, not actually studying or, or advising with your accountant, CPA, will lead you to unwanted high uh, CRA bills that you don't want. And uh, with real estate specifically, what I've learned and now practicing is to buy and hold. Mm -hmm. Buy and hold. We do not want to sell. At one point in 2016-17 market, I bought 12, 13 properties for the intention of flipping them. First few were great. I've made a few hundred thousand dollars. I was up in the sky laughing. And then the market shifted. March 2017, foreign buyer tax, stress test, interest hike. In one day, all of those remaining homes that I've bought, they dropped in value. My equity wiped out. The deposits were gone. And I quickly learned that I over leveraged myself. Mm. I had to let go of a few properties, sell some at a loss. Mm -hmm. One, do not over leverage. Two, you buy and you keep. And if you cannot keep it, don't buy in the first place. Buy something cheaper. That's what I recommend for my clients as well. Real estate is to buy and keep it. You need the money, go to John for refinancing. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah. <laughs> Which is tax-free. Tax-free. Isn't it? Yes. And yeah. if you sell... That's what I love about real estate. <laughs> right. It's tax, tax provisions. Tax provisions, exactly. When we sell, we pay the fees, pay the commission, mortgages, penalties, and a capital gain. So that is my biggest lesson that I am practicing and advocating in everyone else. So you've, you've got quite an extensive real estate portfolio yourself. Why real estate and why not invest in mutual funds or in stocks? <laughs> Great question. Never we invested in mutual funds. Never actually stocks I did invest. I, I did buy some Tesla shares back in 17, 18, and they're just sitting there, which they went up in value. Uh, being in real estate myself, the passion was real estate. Mm -hmm. I saw the ups and downs and how much money you can make giving that it is a leveraged industry. Mm -hmm. You put $1, bank gives you the other 4 5 then you're laughing. You make 10% on your $5, you ultimately made a lot of money on your initial investment. You doubled it, tripled it. And uh, that is why that I did invest into crypto, <laughs> which... Uh, Play money? Play money. Uh, did not turn out well, and I've learned the lessons. And uh, now it's the same thing. Buy and hold, even if it's crypto, stocks. Do not play with it. Go with the mindset that you're going to buy it 
and keep it. Good advice. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not opposed to people buying crypto or buying stocks. I'm not opposed to it. Yep. Don't make that your investment strategy, though. Mm. If you're going to buy into something that you have absolutely no control of and you have no experience with, use your play money. Use the money that you're willing to lose. That's that. That's my rule. Listen, I dabbled. I used to trade options. I still trade options. Mm. I don't recommend people trading options. It's extremely risky unless you don't know. Unless you know what you're doing, right? I have some stocks and I trade the options on them. Sometimes I I'm on the winning side and sometimes I'm on the losing side. But my averages have been more on the winning side. But it's money that if I lost it. It's not going to hurt me. It's not going to put a dent in my retirement strategy, right? And you touched on real estate. What I love about real estate, number one, I could touch it. Mm. Number two, the trend line for real estate is always upward. It's an right. upward trend. If you just take a look at, you know, 1970, people came in, you know, a lot of the Italian immigrants came in and they bought homes. They bought homes at $30,000. Yep. I just got a mortgage refi from someone who bought a home, no lie. They bought this home in Etobicoke. They paid $80,000 in 1983. Wow. Guess what that home was worth today? 2.5 million. 2.5. 2.5. They bought this in 1983 for 80,000 bucks. They did some rentals to it. It's 2.5 million today. Tax free 3000% almost now think about it if you never wanted to sell that home you could do a refi you could do equity takeout and you can go and buy several pre-constructions or several homes that you could be renting out that are cash flowing right you can't do that with a with a stock portfolio no you can't you can't leverage it no you can't you can't refi on it right and most people, 87% of people are going to lose on, on their stocks. Unless, yep. unless you, you know, if you're not on the inside, forget it. You're, you're going to lose. Just forget it. Okay. So real estate is one of my big assets, my big things that I love to do. And I know you do too. Absolutely. What advice would you give to someone who is looking to create their wealth in the real estate market? Hmm their wealth to create in real estate market is to right now we're looking at detached properties mm -hmm. in the core city scarborough etobicoke some north york area i'd recommend them buy detached properties if you can why detach because you've got the land mm -hmm. potential redevelopment in the future okay and you can convert the two to two or three units I suppose if it's a townhouse or a semi, most of the time it's not as easily convertible to two or three units and the freehold. So if it is someone new coming in, then start with their first home. If they have already a home, then buy their second one. If they do not have enough money, then go ahead and buy pre-construction. Whatever you do, take advantage of the market because this is the psychology of the people. When prices were keep going higher, higher, and higher, we remember 2021, mm -hmm. beginning 2022, people thought that it's just going to go throughout the, the, the roof. 
and buying over 200, 300,000 over asking price, 20, 30 offers. Now they're selling under asking price, not offers, and people are still thinking that it's going to keep going down. When it's bad, people think it's going to get worse. So my advice is get into the market and take advantage when people are fearful, when people are afraid, like now, when they're uncertainty in the market, enter the market. Do not stand on the sidelines. Do you think now is a good time to get in the market? It's hard to pinpoint exactly the bottom, but it is much better than before. It's definitely a buyer's market. It is buyer's market. We've got four, four and a half, five months of inventory, depending on the pocket. Buyers can go and negotiate the price down mm -hmm. on their terms, on their closing date. And it's okay if they pay the high rates for some time. The rates fluctuate. The one thing that is fixed and never changes is the entry price, is the purchase price. So if people can take advantage of the purchase price, enter it low, add some value refinance or add some value and rent it out, then that is ultimately building wealth. I think interest rates are going to come down third quarter next year. Mm -hmm. I think the prime is going to come down. Benjamin Tao from CIBC, he came out and he said he sees by 2025 the Bank of Canada overnight lending rate is going to drop from 5 to 3%. So if that happens, prime is going to drop from 7.2 to 5.2. When you start to see the interest rates start to drop, that's when people start getting more anxious, saying it's, it's FOMO. It's fear of missing out. Interest rates are dropping. Prices of homes are going to start to go up. You're going to start to see more buyers entering the market, and then it's going to end up becoming a seller's market. So I think... Now, even with rates high, now is a good time because I think a lot of these homes have come off their peak values in 2021 and they have come down 10, 15, maybe 20%. When these interest rates drop, they're going to go right back up again because yep. now you're going to see more buyers entering the market. Absolutely. And there's some clear examples of houses in North York, of houses in Brampton. Mm -hmm. People bought them in 2021. For 2.1 million, sold last week for 1.7 million. <sighs> There's a cut, shaved off 400,000, and that is across the board. Clear example, same properties. So, would you buy for 2.1 million at low rates or 1.7 with high rates? You know, you don't make the money on the sell, you make the money on the buy. Exactly. Buy, buy, buy cheap. Yeah. Warren Buffett says, buy cheap. That's it. Look for something and get in. So you touched on the beginning, your father of three, you've got two very active boys in soccer, you've got your daughter, uh, you're out 12 times in practice. How do you balance your time between work and family? Hmm, that's a good question. And, and it is a work in progress. <laughs> work in progress. You and your wife yeah. divide up, divide up the, the Me schedules? Me and her. And, and um, what it comes down to is really scheduling out and time management. So every Sunday, I'd look out at my calendar for the next week and then plan each section, their practices, work, family time, appointments, and then delegation. Which appointment can I delegate to my agents or to my assistants where they can perform the job better than me or same as me, but I'm going to save that time. Anything that has less dollar value 
per hour than what my time is worth, then where can I delegate it? Who can I bring it in? And ultimately, one of the profound transformations that I had is realizing that individually, my possibilities are limited. With a team of people and teamwork, the possibilities are really infinite. And how is teamwork possible? It's really through communication and making requests. So I make requests of my team members. Hey, can you cover me on this appointment? Yes, of course. Great. And that is the weekly appointment that they will cover. Or for the boys, can my wife cover it? Or can my mom cover it? Or can my brother cover it? Mm-hmm. Or where, how can we work around it? Delegation. Delegation. That's where the key to time, time management lies. And if you do it well, then you've got all the time and everything else is getting done. I mean, you're doing it at high level as well. Yeah, <laughs> I have one. Yes. <laughs> I've got, I don't have three. <laughs> so, so imagine one times three. I'd have, I'd have to get myself cloned. <laughs> yes. And, and what it energizes me is that the kids, they love playing. And when I go and watch them, them enjoying running and scoring and giving high fives to their team members, it inspires me to actually delegate more of my work so I can be with them and witness watch. And literally, I see myself in them. I see myself in my kids, in my boys, that I have an opportunity to provide for them the life that I may not have had. So then they can become a better version of me or better future citizens. And that is my job, is to raise them and equip them with everything that they need to make the most out of their life. Do you talk to your kids about money or real estate? Yeah. <laughs> so so my son, he has an hourly rate, $5. So he works around with me and does some paperwork or cleans around, around the yard. And he's like, I work two hours. I'm like, so how much I owe you? He's like, $10. And then he remembers it the next morning. He's like, give me $10. So <laughs> I give him the, the, the cash. And then he collects it. And then the next month, they would have a library of new books in their school. And then he would take the money and go buy new books. And, and he's very conscious about it. Even the little one, the five years old, is like, Looney, Tooney, I need that to buy ice cream. Can you give me money? <laughs> I'm like, Malik, it depends how much you work. If you work, then I'll give you the money. He's like, okay, what do I need to do? So he's already inspired. Okay, what can I do to, to earn the money? That's capitalism. <laughs> it is. I think, I think by just giving your kids an allowance mm-hmm. is socialism. Mm-hmm. We're not teaching them anything. Right. We're teaching them that money comes for free. All you have to do is ask. That's, that's not how the world works, though. No. You want some money? What are you willing to do above and beyond what you have to do around the home? Making your bed... I don't pay you to make your bed. That is part of your responsibility. Keeping your room clean. That is part of your responsibility. You want some money? What are you willing to do? Grass needs cutting. Go wash my truck. Not the rolls. (laughs) (laughs) Don't scratch the rolls. Yeah. Shovel the driveway. Yep. How about I teach you how to run the lawnmower and you you can go knock on some neighbor's doors and see if they need some grass cutting. 
teaching them about capitalism that you need to trade time for money. It's not just freely given. Absolutely. <clears throat> and having <clears throat> instilled in them a sense of responsibility that if they can tie their shoelace, they should be tying their shoelace mm -hmm. every single time yeah. versus having to ask you or someone else to do it. And having that sense of responsibility instilled with them from young age, three, four, five years old, it goes a really long way. That way, whenever they're 25, they get to know that it is up to me if I've got to do anything. And that is the philosophy that I want to instill in them. Last question. Yes. What, uh, what legacy <clears throat> do you want to leave behind for your children? Mm. That's a philosophical question, John. <laughs> <laughs> legacy for the children. There a lot of billionaires say, I'm not leaving nothing behind for them. <laughs> they got to work for it. Perhaps it's not so much about the money. For me, it's more about the lessons, more about the experiences that I want to leave them with and them being recall everything that they have been through with me, with the family, and rely on that to build their confidence and allow them to do risky, dangerous moves or activities on their own meaning they can go and climb them the 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 slide by themselves and let them do it and if they fall on their face they fall them. and then they will get up they'll exactly. learn they will learn exactly being very comfortable going out and talking to people and my boys they go to strangers and ask what's your name or if the guy is bald he's like where's your hair <laughs> and, <laughs> and then people are are nice and they they answer so the legacy for them is similar to perhaps billionaires, not so much about the money, but them being happy, fulfilled people and, and being responsible and not having their happiness lay or on others or outside circumstances, but choosing their own happiness because it's their own choice. So those are the lessons that I want to instill in them. That's good advice. Thank you, John. This has been great. We're all out of time for today. Yes, thank you. No, thank you for being here. You could follow us on YouTube if you just follow Wealth Easy. You can follow us also on Instagram, TikTok, and on Facebook. That's all for today. Take care of yourself and take care of your wealth. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, John. Thank you, Ray.